Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Feisty, fearless, and fair. Telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Inflation out of control tonight on the Rita Cosby Show. Coming up in about 30 minutes or so from now, we are going to be talking to Congressman Lee Zeldin, who got some great news in the last few days that the race for governor, of course, he is challenging incumbent Governor Kathy Hochul. Well, the race is tightening big time. And, in fact, at one point, he was like 20, 24 points behind her. Now, real clear politics say it's within three to four points, depending on different polls. And that, essentially, the state now is a toss-up. So, tonight, do you believe that much of that is because crime is out of control, the economy is really plummeting, And the dismal reaction to this president and the Democratic Party. Is that a sign that New York could potentially turn red in the governor's office? Uh, We're going to talk to Lee Zeldin himself is going to be joining us in just about half an hour to give us a reaction to what he thinks are the biggest issues, not just in New York, but around the country. But, of course, soaring crime numbers. And, in fact, remember that shooting that took place not too long ago right in front of his own house. Uh, We're going to see how that has affected him in the campaign trail and also emboldened him, in a sense, I would think, in the issue of crime. Do you believe that crime and law and order really is the key issue when you go to the voting booth this November? And again, Election Day, my goodness, it is just about three weeks away. I can't believe it. It is literally right around the corner And will you be putting that as the top issue? What do you think is your big concern? Is it economy, inflation? Is it crime? Uh, Is it something else? According to a lot of the polls, those are definitely the biggest numbers that everybody has on their mind, and especially in so many of the major cities across this country. The number is 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What do you see as the biggest issue on your plate when you go to the voting booth. And you know, it's amazing. Some of the new numbers are really stunning. For President Biden, first off, overall approval rating. This is stunning. Overall approval rating, are you satisfied? And that includes Republicans, Democrats, Independents, okay? This is an Associated Press poll, which is not exactly like a right-leaning publication. This is quite left-leaning, even though they say they're apolitical, right? Okay, but the Associated Press is giving it, according to the polls of people that they surveyed, 
17% of Americans say they are satisfied with the state of the country. That is a huge number that certainly doesn't bode well for the Democrats come the midterms. Who's neutral? About 13%. And get this, a whopping 70% are dissatisfied. Among Democrats, 55% dissatisfied. Among independents, 76% dissatisfied. And among Republicans, 85% dissatisfied. But again, the overall number, which includes everybody, 70%. That is a huge, huge number. And there is no doubt that if you look at all the numbers that are out there right now, crime is clearly one of the biggest, biggest issues that Americans are facing. And when they're asked repeatedly, who do you think will do better with crime? Do you have more confidence in the Democrats or the Republicans? I hate to say, I don't think there's any doubt out there. Clearly, the Republicans have a better handle, I think, on fighting crime. They clearly will get tougher on the criminals and less coddling, you know, of, uh, you know, of the criminals, less of this repeating door. They've all talked about getting tough on the DAs. Wouldn't it be nice for some of these soft on crime DAs across the country to have somebody who was overseeing them, i.e. governors, i.e. others in the legislature who can come out and say, you know what? We're not happy. You're not really representing the people that you're supposed to be doing. You're not protecting the victims. You seem to be coddling the criminals and hugging a thug versus really protecting the victims. And that is what they should also be clearly thinking of. And that should be their priority. So wouldn't it be nice and refreshing to have that kind of a a checks and balances in place? Well, here's a new Fox News poll. This is interesting. Which party do you believe would do a better job on crime? Republicans, 54 percent. Democrats get in the 30s. So Republicans clearly seen by many as the ones who will get tough on crime. And no big surprise, another poll that just came out, President Biden. How do you think his job performance is on crime? 37% approve. I want to know who are the 37% that approve on the way he's handled crime. I mean, do you think he's really done anything to crack down on crime in the inner cities across this country to make sure that those held accountable stay behind bars, that the criminals actually are punished appropriately, and that the victims are appropriately appreciated and their views definitely taken into account? Because, boy, they should be first and foremost, keeping our streets safe, keeping our companies safe, keeping our businesses safe. Uh, 58% disapprove of his you know, performance on crime. Who are the 37%? Is there anybody out there? that thinks that President Biden has done a good job on fighting crime, him and his administration. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. First off, clearly the country is dissatisfied with this president. Take a listen. Here is Jill Biden, of course, the first lady, Joe Biden's wife. She goes to a Philadelphia Eagles football game And she didn't exactly get a ringing endorsement. In fact, the crowd gave her a resounding boo. Let's go, Brandon! 
Let's go, Brandon. Remember that chat from uh, NASCAR days, of course. Well, that seems to be the sentiment across this country. And in the middle of all this, what's amazing to me is listening over us on the Sunday shows. You know, they always play the comments of, you know, the different administration officials who go out and about. And, of course, President Biden himself putting things in perspective. He is trying to sell everybody that things are okay with the economy. Did you see the cover of the New York Post today? Steve Moore was essentially saying that we have lost tens of thousands of dollars, every American in their 401k. I mean, we all see it. Energy prices skyrocketing, food prices skyrocketing, all of these things, and much in part to the president's policies, at least the energy for sure, and the economy. He hasn't turned it around. He keeps claiming that he has, and yet he's spending more money. How is that fixing the system? It's not. And yet this is a stunning remark as he is eating ice cream, of course. He's at an ice cream store. Where else would he be deciding between vanilla and chocolate, right? He's at an ice cream store. And this is what he had to say. I cannot believe he actually made this comment with a straight face. And whatever reporter heard this should have said, Mr. President, boy, do you have a great sense of humor. Listen to this one. I'm not concerned about the sense of the I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes. Our economy is strong as hell. The internal inflation is worldwide. Our economy is strong as hell. Inflation is worldwide. And he also said it's so much worse everywhere else, which isn't the case, by the way. Japan's doing okay. Uh, China's definitely doing better than us. There's a number of countries that you could point to that are definitely doing better than us. And for him to say, the economy's strong as hell, what are you guys worried about? We all see it. We all see it. When I went to the grocery store the other day, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wait, 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 did I just buy a car? And I realized, no, 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 I just bought a little bit. I mean, it's stunning. It is absolutely jaw-dropping when you see the numbers. And it's irrefutable. And yet he and his administration want us to think that everything's great, that we can tiptoe through the tulips and they can talk their way out of it. And maybe if they say it enough, we'll maybe believe it. I mean, this is incredible. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And here is the Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg, remember, who is nowhere to be seen at the height of all those supply chain crises, remember all the shipping issues? That's when he took his leave of absence, remember, for like a few months. It was like, where's the transportation secretary? Oh, I had personal matters. Don't worry about the the worldwide economy, that little thing. Well, here he is. He was on ABC this week. And this is, again, the statement of all statements, basically saying there are so many accomplishments in the Biden administration, I would need 10 hours to brag about my boss. Take a listen. When the president took office, uh, we were facing an economy that was at risk of going into freefall. The American Rescue Plan stopped that, and it went directly into 
easing the burden for Americans uh, with, with those, uh, uh, those tax benefits that Americans got. And uh, it went into projects that are improving communities all around the United States. I was back in my hometown, uh, saw some infrastructure projects that, uh, that they're doing there with some of that uh, ARP money. The mayors know what to do with it. Communities know what to do with it. Families know what to do with it. And I do think we run the risk because there have been so many accomplishments, right? The CHIPS Act that's bringing manufacturing back to the United States, uh, the PACT Act getting veterans the benefits they deserve, of course, the infrastructure bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, on top of that American Rescue Plan, uh, you know, in some ways, having achieved so much legislatively makes it uh, hard to talk about it all at once because there are just so many accomplishments. Just so many accomplishments. Are you kidding me? Like what? Rising inflation, rising crime. Uh, we're maybe on the verge of World War III. You've got everything going on with you know, Russia, Ukraine, and that minor incursion. Remember, Joe? How about the Afghanistan pullout? Boy, that was great. And then you've got Russia over the weekend basically saying, we're going full throttle against Ukraine. They're using these kamikaze drones. You also have China and Taiwan. China saying everything could happen, all means necessary, basically, to get Taiwan and everyone else butt out. So it really sounds like Joe is posing a threat to anyone. The only one he's posing a threat to are our wallets. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Uh, let's go to Dom in Minnesota, line three. Dom, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, Dom. Yeah, hi, Rita. You know, in that uh, press reporter asking Joe a question, Joe is licking ice cream, smelling teenagers' hairs and talking about how great the economy is. Maybe Baskin-Robbins could make an ice cream to honor Joe or call it disappointment or fentanilla or Pete Vanilla in, in, in honor of Pete Buttigieg, who says the economy is doing great. Biden is doing so many things that he doesn't know how to even start talking about the great stuff that we're doing. <laughs> That's a good. How about how about a uh, fantasy fruit, right? There that, we go. that might there we work go. for Joe because <laughs> he's like a Fruit Loop, a fantasy Fruit Loop. That would work for Biden. What do you think? Yes, absolutely, fantasy Fruit Loop, and he is a Fruit Loop, to so to speak. But you know, I'm I'm really I I hope I hope the Republicans pull it off. If not, we can't stand six years of this. This is going to be horrible. This country is going to become a third world country if if this guy keeps on the way takes us down the road that he's going. He's still looking to spend more money. And I, I just don't understand the Democrats and everybody's trying to run away from him. But, I mean, even even Obama is saying, you know, don't do this woke business because it's not good for the country. I mean, even Obama is coming around. I don't understand how these, you know, uh, leftists are getting voted into office. That's my, that's my you know, crazy thought. How, how are they staying in office? I don't know if you know the answer to that. <laughs> no, but you know what? You bring up a good point because even Obama, you're right, in a, a podcast was criticizing wokeness, saying, you know, people just want to relax and just have fun. I don't want to walk, use the phrase, don't want to walk on eggshells. And in the midst of all that, the numbers aren't great. And, and you just brought up a great point, Dom, because the solution to what's going on right now would be to rein in costs, certainly to rein in criminals. I mean, there's a lot of things that go to the border. What about a visit to the border? I mean, it, it is, to me, the fact that he has just totally ignored the border is absolutely stunning to me. Um, yeah. And in the middle of all this, 
Um, he's talking about student loans. He's talking about increasing student the student loan debt, as we talked about. Um, a lot of people thought, well, maybe he'll put that on ice. Uh, you know, it'd be nice to give everybody a freebie in the world, but it's just, it's A, unfair, and B, it's not affordable. Because then anything that he ever thought he was going to do by cutting taxes or cutting this or increasing taxes on the wealthy and cutting them on others or giving perks or whatever, that student loan debt thing just eviscerates everything. It really does because it's going to cost so much money and it causes a lot of resentment. It's like, it, to me, it is such a buying of votes, Dom. It looks so transparent. Real quick, what are your thoughts, Dom? No, absolutely. You know, remember, last point I want to make is remember Barack Obama's warning saying, don't underestimate Joe Biden's ability to screw up everything he touches. You remember that? That should be a 30-second ad. Yeah, the, and also, who was at our Bob Gates, remember? Uh, yeah. The former defense secretary yeah. said that Biden mm-hmm. was on the yeah. wrong side of history on every yeah. foreign policy decision. So the one thing I'll give him, he was consistent, Dom. You got to give him credit for that. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Dom, thank you. Always love your calls. Thanks so much. We're yeah. going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break, one 800 And Lee Zeldin's also coming up, you guys, at 1035. Actually, sorry, in about 14 minutes, 13, 14 minutes. He's coming up here on the show, so stay tuned for that. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show coming up. In just a few minutes, we have our Back the Blue segment, which I love where we honor our great men and women in law enforcement. And also, in about 10 minutes, we have Congressman Lee Zeldin, who is getting some great news in the last few days with the polls definitely tightening in the race for New York governor. And he says law and order are on the ballot. That is a huge, huge issue. And he says Democrats are missing the mark and don't seem to be doing anything to fix what is clearly a major issue in New York and in many cities across this country. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dan. Uh, line 7. Dan, your thoughts about all this? Hi, Rita. Always enjoy your show. Uh, Rita, I will be voting um, straight down the Republican line in uh, in November, and I'm a, a Democrat, a no-woke Democrat. And, and I just want to mention to you, and it's starting to be mentioned, um, different people are saying that until we get these, these mentally disturbed uh, zombies off the trains and off the streets, they have to be institutionalized. And until we do that, the city, I don't think, will ever come back. Yeah, I agree. And and you know the the problem is, Dan, it is this um, sentiment of, oh, they're mentally disturbed. We have to help them. So they almost get a free pass. And, and A, I've said this, Dan, they're not doing a service to those individuals who clearly need help because they may harm themselves. And they're definitely not doing any help to anybody else on the subway or roaming the streets because – those individuals have a propensity for violence, and they've continued to show that. And at some point, you have to clearly say, let's get them off the street so they don't endanger other people, first and foremost, and themselves. And it's this free pass sort of mentality. I mean, Dan, one of the things I talked about, actually, was on Friday on the show, and we were talking about the fact that in the Parkland shooting, this is the Parkland shooting where 17 people were killed, remember, four years ago in Parkland, Florida, 
uh, Nicholas Cruz, who goes in. There's no dispute he did it, that he did the shooting. He kills 14 students, and he kills three teachers. At least one of the jurors had sympathy on him for his mental issues and problems growing up. That was a death penalty case. They needed a unanimous verdict, and there was huge fights in the jury room because people were saying, oh, we got to give them a free pass at some point. we got to give society uh, a break. Don't you think, Dan, real quick? Yeah, and uh, you remember, Rita, when they were institutionalized, they were put away. Yes. Until maybe they got better or they stayed there if they, that behavior continued. Then all of a sudden it changed that they, they seemed to have this free pass. Yes. No, you're right. Absolutely, Dan. You're 1,000 right. We've got to protect society and also keep them locked up. If they're violent, they need to be locked up. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. And also Congressman Lee Zeldin coming up after the break, too, as well. Make sure you stay tuned for that. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a beautiful story coming from California where Escondido Police Sergeant Jeff Valdivia rescued a neglected, underweight, six-week-old girl that was back in 2000. 22 years later, he was reunited with that woman as she became an El Paso County Sheriff's deputy. Officer Valdivia traveled to Colorado to pin the badge on a new deputy who he saved as a baby 22 years ago. In November of 2000, Escadito Police Sergeant Jeff Valdivia was helping state parole with the search when he found a six-week-old girl on a bed next to her mother, who was struggling with a serious drug issue. The girl was underweight and a clear neglect victim. So the officer placed her into protective custody. After Valdivia's intervention, the girl, Natalie Young, was adopted by a family. She grew up knowing that she was rescued by a police officer, and that act motivated her to pursue a career in law enforcement. Earlier this month, she graduated from the El Paso County Sheriff's Office Academy. Realizing the ceremony uh, to become a deputy would be coming soon, Natalie's mother did some investigating of her own, and she tracked down Valdivia, who was still working at the Escondido Police Department. The reunion, along with the graduation, was an emotional event for both Natalie and the officer. And now the two have reconnected. They say they intend to stay in touch. Officer Valdivia said, quote, just being invited to her graduation was a huge honor, but being asked to pin her badge on was definitely a career highlight for me. You can just tell she cares about people. She is going to make a great cop. What a beautiful story about two incredible members of law enforcement and how amazing they are uh, every single day. 
and also how they reconnected. I love this story. 22 years later. Well, I think the defund the police movement has been so unbelievably destructive. In fact, it came out recently that Cori Bush, that's that congresswoman down south, has spent, get this, almost half a million dollars on security. But she doesn't want anybody else to have police funds. It's okay for her, but not for anyone else, which is so outrageous. She's been one of the leaders of the defund the police movement. And at a time now where crime is skyrocketing, the idea of minimizing police forces and certainly brutalizing the morale of police forces is just, to me, it is a, it's a cauldron of destruction. When you've got that combination of so many in law enforcement who want to leave the force, they are fed up, and then at the same time, they feel that politicians do not have their back. And crime is skyrocketing. Take a listen, though, however, because a lot of Democrats make it sound like, no, crime is not that bad, including New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Take a listen to this one. We can't get away from the fact we have 3.5 million people using our subway system. We, we have to be honest about that. And those average of six crimes a day is not giving the impression that our system is out of control. It's, it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to you, um, Nolan. Uh, and so uh, my goal is to continue that deployment and enhance that police coverage and, and to make sure that we deal with the mental health crises, not only on our subway system, but on our streets. Sure. OK, well, there was another one. Somebody pushed uh, just a few hours ago in Queens into an oncoming train. There was a man pushed onto the subway tracks in Bronx recently. Three stabbed, one pummeled uh, with a bat in a wild brawl. Outside a Queens 7-Eleven, the list goes on and on. And yet he wants us to believe, oh, it's just every now and then. It is much more common than the mayor and many Democrats really recognize. Take a listen. He did concede that there is a group that is committing violence. At least he's at least somewhat acknowledging that many Democratic politicians aren't doing that one at all. I think we have eight homicides this year, two more than, than last year. Uh, uh, you, you, you can't tie all of them to people with emotional issues. Uh, some of them are violent people, criminals, uh, that we must continue to uh, make sure we have the police present, the proper deployment, uh, to do our job in law enforcement, which we have. You know, everyone knows, you know, I quote it often, uh, the number of firearms we've removed from the, from the streets uh, and our action plan on the subway system. My goal is to continue to enhance that because I said it over and over again. We're dealing with actual crimes, those eight uh, homicides, and we're dealing with the perception of fear that people are feeling. That's the combination. And I must deal with that profes- per- perception and the actual crime. And joining us now is Congressman Lee Zeldin, who is running against Democratic incumbent Kathy Hochul for governor of New York. Uh, You know, Congressman Zeldin, first of all, uh, boy, you have gained ground. Uh, What do you think has changed to really tighten the race in some of the latest polls? Uh, They're considering it a toss up. That's great news for you. Well, once you get past Labor Day, people start to pay more attention. They're individuals who are always following these things, who the candidates are and who's running for what. But a lot of other people are out there enjoying their summer. It's not until kids go back to school, you get post-Labor Day, and, and people start thinking about this election that's coming up. And every day people are making their minds up and, 
they're motivated by issues that I'm on the right side of. Kathy Hochul's on the, the wrong side of, and we have to save our state. People want balance restored to Albany. They want to make sure our streets are safer. Life in New York is more affordable. They're fed up and disgusted by, embarrassed by the uh, toxic corruption culture that's coming out of Albany. They want that cleaned up. So from one issue to the next, from cashless bail, the DAs refusing to enforce the law and more, we're on the right side of the issues that matter most to these New Yorkers who are making a big decision here in the recent weeks. And uh, fortunately, growing support, tightening polls, and we're well on our way with the right momentum, energy, effort to win this thing. Yeah, you definitely are, you know, doing great in the polls. You know, I also think about crime, and it's something um, that is pervasive in New York. Some of the new numbers, it's like, I think it's 31% crime is up uh, over the last five years in New York. And in some uh, violent crimes, even year to year, it's well beyond double digits in a lot of cases. I mean, it's staggering. When you look at these numbers, um, how much do you think crime um, is really playing a role? People do not feel safe in New York and you are definitely addressing that issue. Yeah, crime is a big issue. For many New Yorkers, it's their biggest issue. And they see pro-criminal laws out of Albany getting passed, like cashless bail, that should be rolled back. Judges should have discretion to weigh dangerousness. They're seeing it as they look at Alvin Bragg and some of these other DAs refusing to enforce the law, um, letting people out who should remain behind bars. And then we also see it. Uh, with, with law enforcement not being properly supported. People want to feel safe on the streets and subways. Some of it is raw, violent hate where people are getting targeted because they're Jewish or Asian or Sikh. And uh, individuals, they feel less safe on a subway station platform. As we, I just did a press conference this morning in front of a Bronx subway station where someone was just pushed uh, onto the tracks. And then this evening I learned of a, another person, but in, the, in Queens, pushed in front of a oncoming subway car and they got killed so this is something that you don't just read about a, a crime story and that's it and you don't hear about anything else maybe for a couple more months stuff is daily yeah it is daily and it's hourly and there's just so many random violent attacks you know you gave a great line uh, congressman zeldin over the weekend um where it's not what i'm going to do basically in my first 100 days um, I'm going to get a whole bunch done in my first 100 minutes. Uh, d- tell me what you would do immediately um, if you became governor to help improve the situation. The first thing that I would do the first day that I'm in office is tell the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, that he's being removed. I would declare a crime emergency in the state. The crime emergency should be declared by Hochul today, but she's refusing to do so. I would suspend the Castle Spell Law and a bunch of other laws, and I would Uh, I'd want the state legislature to come talk. Let's work together. Let's try to figure out how to make our streets safe again. And this shouldn't be a Republican versus Democrat issue either. Even the New York City Mayor Eric Adams has uh, called for a special session to give judges discretion away dangerousness and to amend the raise the age law. I I believe that all COVID mandates that we could get rid of in the state should be gone. People shouldn't have been fired for a personal decision of whether or not to get the COVID vaccine. If you want to get it, get it. If you don't want to get it, don't get it. But don't do it because the governor called on you to be her apostle. I I believe that the state should be formally recognizing that a parent has a fundamental right to control the upbringing of their child. We should finish the state's COVID investigation. Special prosecutors should be appointed with regards to the deadly nursing home order and cover-up. There's a lot that we could do 
right out of the gate the very first day. And yeah, it's not about what can you do in the first 100 days. And we want to have a very busy and productive first 100 days. But I am most imminently focused on how to have the most productive first 100 minutes possible. Yeah, that's great. Um, You know, by the way, how are your girls doing? Because Boy, you know, crime came close to home for you. We saw all the headlines, the shooting literally outside your house. Um, And, of course, the attack on you, too, when you were campaigning, you know, not too long ago. Um, First off, how's your family and how how did that shape you? You've always been someone who has been, you know, very much, you know, cracked down on crime and very much supportive of victims and trying to clean up the street. Did that just embolden you? How did that affect you personally, too, Congressman? Well, most importantly for me is the way that this uh, this shooting took place a couple Sundays back uh, was implement was uh, affecting my daughters. I have 16 year old girls who you know who were home alone and they're at a kitchen table doing homework on a quiet Sunday afternoon, and then gunshots around them. It was a drive-by gang-related shooting on my front yard. Two people were laying shot about 10 feet from my girls. One was under my front porch the other one was a couple feet away under a bush in front of my front porch and what really traumatized my girls was that they heard the gunshots then they heard the screaming they thought they were being targeted so they ran upstairs locked themselves in the bathroom called 911 called my wife and I and they didn't know whether or not these people had come into the house fortunately they were there together and not there alone which you know every once in a while that happens where one of the girls decides not to stay home by themselves. Unfortunately, they were both there with each other. They're doing okay. Uh, that's most important. And I'll, I'll tell you, to your other point about how it affects me uh, from another standpoint as it relates to what we talk about on the campaign trail, uh, just a few days before that, two days before that, I was standing in front of the subway station in Morris Heights in the Bronx where there was just the night before a fatal uh, stabbing and I didn't think that the next time that I'd be standing in front of crime scene tape, it would be in front of my own house that Sunday evening, two days later. Uh, I believe very strongly in all of the, uh, the the policies that we were just talking about that need to be suspended, that need to be repealed, that need to be overhauled, that this is something regardless of whether or not I have a gang-related drive-by shooting at my house that we need to be all in to fight. But now I'm more emboldened than ever before. You know, what one person in the media was – asking me outside of my house, um, you know, basically questioning me coming out to talk about what happened. I, I, are, you, are you kidding me? You asked me to come out to answer questions. I come outside to answer questions, and then your first question is asking me while I'm out here, why I'm out here answering your question? I mean, just give me a break. I, you know, it's, you're not going to get me to stop focusing on the issues that New Yorkers say are most important to them, but you know, but stop playing these games and trying to hold the water for Kathy Hochul. You and I know what the issues are that are most important to New Yorkers, and we need to talk about them regardless of whether it's as personal as it gets with uh, what might happen outside of our own home or if it happens hundreds of miles away. As, as fellow New Yorkers, forget about Republican, Democrat, Independent, we all are in this together, and we have to do so much more to fight this rising crime. Yeah, 1,000 percent. And most importantly, I'm so glad that your beautiful family's okay, Congressman. Um, You know, people who are listening out there, again, Congressman Lee Zeldin, uh, it is now a toss-up. It is, uh, in many polls, uh, a neck-and-neck race for governor of New York. For people listening, how can they help? How how can they find out about you, Congressman, too? 
Zeldin for New York.com, Z E L D I N F O R. New York's all spelled out too. Zeldin for New York.com. You can sign up to volunteer. You can donate $5 if you want. We're on social media all across different social media platforms. So get involved in the conversation there and help spread the word. Tell everybody you know, Tuesday, November 8th, this is a really important election to save our state. We need everybody's help everywhere. Please help get the word out and make sure everyone actually shows up and votes. Yes, so important. Law and order is on the ballot, and you got to think about that when you go into the voting booth. Uh, Congressman, so great to have you here, and we got to have you back on again before Election Day, and I wish you so much luck. Thank you, Rita. Take care. Wow, it is interesting. The race is tightening, and again, it's because many people feel that Hochul is doing nothing, nothing in terms of fighting crime. Remember, she's a person who could get rid of, of, you know, Alvin Bragg, the DA. And she said, oh, I'm going to give him slack. I mean, how much slack do Democrats want to give these DAs who are doing absolutely nothing to fix crime in our communities? And if anything, are enhancing it by emboldening the criminal. Even Adams admits it's just repeat offenders over and over and over again. Let's go to Phil, uh, line one. Phil, your thoughts about all this? And everybody, 1-800-848-9222 is the number to call on The Rita Cosby Show. Phil, go ahead. Yeah, hi. Good evening, Rita. Uh, look, uh, I, I believe in Selvin. I, I think he is the man to take it. It's going to be, a trust me, an extremely close race, and I pray to God Almighty, he wins. But you know one thing that disturbs me? On the Metropolitan Transit Authority, the trains, uh, I ride the trains very frequently. I visit a lot of disabled and elderly vets, and I'm on the trains almost every day, different lines, four, five, two, whatever. And I'll tell you two things. One first thing is I hear a lot of these announcements constantly, every eight minutes. The tra- It's a woman's voice, and she's saying, oh, the Transit Authority is ensuring your safety. We have more police than ever on the trains and yada, 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 yada. And I ride the trains anywhere between 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., five, six days a week, any police. I don't see anything that looks like an undercover cop. I don't even see these so-called guardian angels. They're all clustered down on the, on the east side to make the yuppies feel good. But the, the saddest part is you have a problem. You have a lot less cops than you had five or ten years ago. You have a crime wave that is based on too many young people having nothing to do but join up in gangs and proceed that way and terrorize the city. It's the thrill kill. I shoot somebody while I'm on my moped. I get a promotion in the, in, in the gang, and suddenly I'm right next to the top dog on the gang. We need to not only get Zeldin in, but what we need to do is to get these liver, liver, chicken-livered New Yorkers, these people who hide behind their, their drapes and, and, and blinds and just say, well, that's the way it is. We need you to go out five or 6,000 strong, go to the voting booth, and most of all, go to the governor's office here in New York City, go to the mayor's office and the DA, go to Bragg's office, stand out there a couple of thousand strong and scream your brains out. We want change. You know, I agree, Phil. It's interesting to me that there hasn't been any protests like outside of Alvin Bragg's office. You know, I'm not for obviously going to somebody's house, but going outside of his office, where are all the protests? 
I mean, it's clear that this guy, this is the guy, remember, who threw the book at the bodega owner who was defending himself. I mean, you know, Jose Alba. I mean, this guy clearly uh, doesn't seem uh, to be protecting good, hardworking citizens. He seems to clearly have a proclivity to the revolving door criminals. And yet, you know, it's like, you know, even, you know, when uh, Governor Hochul said, I'll give him some slack, you know, it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, where is there? How could you give slack to somebody like this, especially at a time where crime is skyrocketing in New York City on so many different levels? Murders are up. I mean, there's so many of these violent crimes. You see it every day. We all see it every day. And by the way, Phil, I'm sure you heard there was a guy dead after being shoved in front of a subway in Queens. Another transit fatality. After somebody bumped into him, he lost, dropped his cell phone on the tracks, and then he shoved another person into the train. I mean, this is insane. And yet nobody's saying, what can we do to stop it? What are your thoughts, everybody? How bad is crime? And will you vote Republican because you believe law and order is the key? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. And we are talking about how dangerous many American cities are. Case in point, of course, New York, one at the top of the list, another subway killing where someone was shoved in front of a subway train just a few hours ago at rush hour. This is happening time and time again. And yet many people are saying the Democrats, oh, what crime? Uh, Just like they're saying, what inflation? Uh, Boy, are they living in la-la land. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tony on line six. Tony, your thoughts about all this? Hi, Rita. Um, Do you remember Kitty Genovese? Oh, yes, absolutely. The woman well, who was attacked and, and screaming right. out. Yep. Well, ever since I heard about that story when I was a young youngster, it always bothered me that uh, citizens never did anything. Me too. So I, I try to get involved. And uh, what I can say is <clears throat> to the men out there, they got to man up some of these guys. Get yourself a baseball bat. Carry it with you on the subway. A Rocky Calavito is the best. That's a big one. And if somebody acts up, you hit them in the knees. You don't hit them in the head. You hit them in the knees, you, and, you, and, you, and you give them a, a pounding on the knees. He won't get up. And uh, I think that could re- resolve some of the things going on in the city because the uh, city officials have abdicated their responsibilities. You know what's, and, uh, you know what's scary, Tone? If you, you, you think about Imagine if it continues in this path. I mean, it's already in a really bad location right now. I'm talking about the status of crime. 
And uh, I had Angel Masonette, former NYPD detective, uh, who I love his opinions. I had him on the show like about a week ago. He was basically saying in a podcast that we did that if people don't change the course this November, it may be like irretrievable to turn it around, that things are so bad. And if it continues to get much worse, I cannot imagine. And people are feeling frustrated. Look, our politicians need to step up. They need to protect us so we don't need to uh, bring a baseball bat or anything like that. But I hear where you're going, Joan, because it is really scary out there. And people do need to step up. But most important, our politicians do. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break and also talk about the border. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, we are talking about crime in America. And let's not forget crime on our southern border as well. I mean, some of these new numbers are absolutely stunning. How many gotaways? These are the ones that they don't know about. These are the ones who they can't even record, let alone all the illegals that have crossed. Remember, so far this year, they believe that 200,000 have crossed the border. And If you look at what is happening, to me, I've always said that this could likely be an impeachable offense. The fact that they, the Biden administration, has left the border so unsecured. I mean, it is shocking how wide open our U.S. southern border is. The first, first priority of any administration is to protect the homeland. And if you leave that wide open southern border like a big old leaky sieve and the numbers at historic highs of those who cross, those are the ones you know about, the two million plus that you know about so far this fiscal year alone. And they're believing that hundreds of thousands are gotaways. They also believe that close to 100 are on the terrorist watch list. You got to be a pretty bad hombre to make it to the terrorist watch list. So this is a very dire crisis. And the fact that this administration has completely ignored the border is really shocking. And it's not just going to have repercussions immediately, because clearly it is a national security risk. It's an international security risk. It is going to be something that we're going to have repercussions for years, if not decades to come. Who knows who has slipped into the United States without being vetted? We know they weren't checking them for coronavirus. We know that they weren't checking their criminal record. We know that even of the ones that they saw and vetted, they found a number of bad people who crossed through. I'm talking about those suspected of terrorism that were on the terrorist watch list. And we know that that is just a likely spot for those who wish to do us harm. All they have to do is kind of try to come through that southern border. And yet this administration continues to act like there's no problem on the border. Like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. And that also goes on the issue of fentanyl. There are some really surprising numbers of what's happened with fentanyl in this country and how deadly that drug has become. 
uh, basically becoming the leading cause of death for teenagers up to age 40. And if you look also, the number of statistics, 140,000 Americans killed by fentanyl. Again, many young people killed by fentanyl, unbeknownst, knowing that something was laced with fentanyl. Some of these latest busts we see even looking like candy, put in like toy boxes or candy boxes. It is really, really alarming. And this administration, I think in the last few months, the president said the word fentanyl one time, and it was during like drug overdose day in the United States. It was like National Opioid Day or National Drug Overdose Day. He makes that statement and just threw out the word fentanyl, and then it was like, oh, let's hurry up and move on. And the reason is clear that he doesn't want to draw attention to our very open southern border. Because the next question is, why aren't you blocking it? Because he's not. And to me, that is absolutely an impeachable offense if you look at it. There are a lot of layers to this. Mayorkas, uh, could it go up to the president clearly? What about Kamala Harris? She's supposed to be the border czar. Where is there any accountability for what's happening at the border? It is shocking to me and just really worrisome to me, and it should be to every single American. Case in point, just a few hours ago, Governor Greg Abbott finally said he's taken a stand, and that's a good thing. He basically said that he wants to make it so that basically anybody that has had a role in distributing fentanyl or making fentanyl could be potentially charged with murder. I think that that's great. Bravo. Because it has become a leading killer in the United States. And the fact that now finally it's a Republican governor right there, uh, right on the border, right on the front lines in Texas, saying, you know what, we've got to step up. We've got to start making it really, really tough on these drug dealers. And again, many of them coming in from China, remember, producing, manufacturing, then mixing it in Mexico, then crossing our very open southern border. And I say bravo to Governor Abbott for finally taking a tougher stand. Why isn't our president doing that? He sits there and he says, oh, I'm cracking down on pharmaceuticals. You know, the cost of pharmaceuticals, which is obviously an important issue for a lot of people. But what about the leading drug that is killing people, fentanyl? He said, like, one time he mentioned fentanyl. And he didn't even really talk about cracking down on those. And he hasn't proposed any legislation. It's unbelievable. Even President Trump, former President Trump the other day came out and said that he believes when he did an interview actually with Cats at Night on 77 WABC, he made a statement saying that drug dealers should get the death penalty. That's what he said. We need to do something to scare the heck out of these people because they are lacing all of these medications that young kids and others are taking, and it is literally killing Americans. And we've got a president who's turning a blind eye to it. This, to me, is shocking, and it needs to stop. Here is Governor Greg Abbott just a little bit ago talking about the role of cartels and fentanyl that is killing Americans. Fentanyl truly is a clandestine killer caused by Mexican drug cartels. Cartels are terrorists, and it's time that we started treating them that way. And Governor Abbott says that it is indeed the president's policies that have created this toxic mix for young Americans. Take a listen. All of this is a byproduct 
of Biden's open border policies that led to about 2.2 million people being apprehended coming across the border in just this past year. When you have that many people coming across the border with the assistance of Mexican drug cartels, it makes it far easier for a greater volume of fentanyl to be crossing our border, infiltrating our state as well as our entire country. And Congressman Tony Gonzalez, Republican there of Texas, where much of his state, uh, much of his district in particular, lines the border, uh, said that he is disgusted with the way that the Biden administration has handled this and says if the Republicans take the House, they will start immediately investigations into the root of fentanyl, who's to blame, the open border. Boy, I can't wait for those hearings. I can't believe that this administration has completely and shamelessly ignored the border. Take a listen. I represent 42 percent of the southern border, and we've seen this crisis go from bad to worse. If you live along the border, you know the Biden administration and House Democrats have abandoned us. We're on our own. I was just in El Paso a few days ago. There's 700 people under a bridge. There are 700 people under a bridge and many people, even the El Paso mayor, by the way, who's a Democrat, feels abandoned by this administration. And yet when you sit and hear all these different politicians of late that have been complaining In fact, Mayor Eric Adams, also New York Governor Kathy Hochul, you know, when they talk about the border and they go after the president, they're not going after him for his open border policy. They've been actually criticizing the fact that migrants have been coming to their community. That's where their gripe is. It's not on the president's open border policy. To me, that is outrageous. They are so missing the mark, and yet they're afraid to criticize the president's clearly open border policy, saying that that is a disaster. They're saying, no, we need more money to take care of the migrants. There's too many of them coming. They're dealing with, by the way, so far, basically New York has had the same amount that Texas and Arizona basically get in one day. And New York is complaining about taking care of the migrants. I mean, this is just sheer insanity. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is Senator Marsha Blackburn saying that the border numbers that we know of, as I mentioned, are just the tip of the iceberg because there are so many that never get registered. And those are the worst of the worst. And they basically number at least in the hundreds of thousands every year. And remember, Biden's only been here two years. Boy, count those numbers and think about who may be here that we have no idea about. Take a listen. Sometimes some of you will say, why is it that the border is so dangerous? Here is the reason why. When we talk about these 3.6 million apprehensions at the southern border, those are the ones that the Border Patrol catch. They're the ones that raise their hands and say, asylum. But what worries the Border Patrol and us are the gotaways. They're the ones they can see on the video, but they cannot get to them. This is why they tell you they need better technology along with a wall. And the ones they really worry about are the ones they never even see on the video because when they're sending people toward the border agents to be apprehended, The really bad guys are running in an opposite direction across the border 
into the country to show up in your hometown. Scary stuff. And yet the Democrats, the very few that have even complained about the migrants, they're complaining because they say they have too many coming to their towns. And they're complaining about the buses from the Republicans, not the secret flights that continue to come from the Democrats and not the open border. Boy, are they playing politics. I'd have so much more respect if they said, you know what, our president has an open border. It is a disaster and we need to close it for everybody's safe, everybody's security. But they're not going there which to me just shows that they are typical politicians. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Bob online, too. Bob, your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Listen, Adams is, is in over his head. You know, he doesn't want to handle this. And the president of the United States, if you want to call him that, I think he's a joke. He should be arrested for... For allowing this to happen, he's a disgrace. You know, it is shocking, Bob, um, that he has so much put this country in jeopardy. You know, you think about that open border and you think about the fact that it is literally hundreds of thousands of people every year. So they believe it could be up to a million that are gotaways since this president took office. I mean, that's a stunning number. And that doesn't seem to be inflated by those who are on the border. And, and, you know, we're not supposed to worry. Uh, You know, it's bad enough, the ones we know that get through. And then you got a million that we have zero clue about. Those are the ones who are the worst of the worst. Because the other ones just kind of go, yeah, I know I'm allowed to come through the open border. Let me in. No problem. I mean, they got a I love Biden T-shirt on. You know, what what more do you need? And it's the bad, bad hombre guys, the, the big drug dealer ones who are trying not to get caught in any shape or form. And if, think about a million. I mean, even if it's 1%, that's a huge, staggering number. If 1% are bad, really, really bad hombres, boy, are we in trouble, Bob. What do you think? Rita, one other thing. This idiot in the White House... He's got to go because he's endangering the lives of people in this country. The first responsibility of a president is to protect the American people. He's, he's failed terribly. And the people in this, in this state better wake up because the crime is worse than ever, and it's going to get worse. Yeah, that is the big concern that, you know, unless people get really tough on criminals and the right people get in public office and are making the policy decisions, it sadly will get worse. If, if you can imagine that. Uh, that is a really a scary premise. Bob, thank you. Let's go to Greg in Arizona. Uh, Greg, your thoughts about all this on line one. Greg, what do you think about uh, the crisis at the border and the fact this president hasn't even visited it as president? I mean, it's shocking. Well, hi, lovely. And not only has he not visited the border, he's gone to Europe, though. So that, that's got to be good for something. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. He went to Ukraine's border, basically. You know, he didn't go into Ukraine, but he went close to the border there. He got closer to that border than he did our own southern border. Isn't that scary, Greg? You're in Arizona. How is it yeah, affecting no, you guys? Oh, it's just, it's, we're overwhelmed. It's it's absolutely madness. Uh, one of my wife's friends works for Border Patrol, and, and they, they, you know, they don't know. They don't feel like they have support from, the, from you know, the higher-ups. But I, I got thinking about Biden. Like, what what is it? that would, would be so paramount that we have to risk all the problems at the border and the broken up families and the drugs coming in and the crime coming in. And I heard him say once, 
He said, I think every, every um, person deserves a chance to come to America. That's the only thing I can think of that would even justify this border madness from the White House. Well, you know what? You know, I believe that that's part of that philosophy. And then if you listen to people like Chad Wolf and other people and Ken Cuccinelli, those are people who are at Homeland Security under Trump. They actually believe it's sort of part of this like plan to bring in more Americans, basically, because they believe, OK, if you give these people, uh, you know, a free pass getting in and not tough or anything getting in, that eventually when they, quote, become citizens, which is also part of their plan, suddenly they're going to have a million or two million or 10 million by that time. Who knows? Uh, new citizens, you know, that that it's all sort of part of a big master voting plan. I'll, I'll give you two seconds to reply, Greg, real quick. Any party that relies on illegal immigrants to, to bolster their position to stay in power, isn't, isn't that un-American by definition? Yeah, and keeping a border wide open is also extremely un-American, and it's certainly unsecure, that's for sure. Greg, thank you very, very much. Call in there from Arizona. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 800-848-9222, and you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Put it up. Come on. That could be a President Biden's song based on uh, some of the things we heard this weekend. That crazy thing about him, like, advising a little girl, basically, uh, you can't date someone seriously until you're 30. In fact, why don't we play that one? Since we uh, picked this song here, this was such a bizarre thing. Uh, this isn't making this kind of creepy comment. This is number five. Uh, take a listen. This is Biden whispering in her ear at an event. How weird is this? Look at Sam. Now, the very important thing I told my daughter and granddaughters, no serious guys in your 30. Okay. No what? No serious guys to your 30. Don't keep that in mind. <laughs> No serious guys till you're in your 30. What a weird thing to come over to a girl at an event, a little girl at an event. It's, it's just odd. It is very odd based on some of these other things. Uh, he's caught up in her, little girl. Wow, that fits the song there. Meantime, one of the scary things that's been going on, of course, is what's going on at the border. And we've been talking just about the sad thing, by the way, uh, human smuggling, Young girls, by the way, uh, coming across the border. It's so, so scary. The cartels uh, between the human trafficking, the fentanyl, everything else. And Governor Abbott of Texas says he has been pleading with the administration to get tougher on the terrorists. And they have not really responded. Take a listen. I also sent a letter to President Biden as well as Vice President Harris demanding that they classify Mexican drug cartels as terrorist organizations. That would, in turn, trigger a federal statute uh, that would provide a robust response by the federal government to shut down the importation of fentanyl into the United States. 
Yeah, and so far, no response. What do you make of that? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Trisha, line three in Connecticut. Trisha, your thoughts? I agree totally what you've been talking about, Rita, on um, crime and the border. And uh, I wanted to add something about the border issue, allowing millions to come in. And and then you have crime not being punished. And we had the COVID lockdowns, which were, you could say, were caused by the Chinese, along with the willing collusion with um, governors who wanted to lock everything down but you but you combine these you know the fentanyl that china's sending through our border it, it's almost like it's a, con, a collusion with our government to destroy our foundation of our society our constitution and our our national sovereignty no you're right you know it, it is interesting it's like why would you allow that anybody with common sense would say we got to tighten the border. We can't allow this. Uh, by the way, everybody coming up, we're going to talk about a new effort to get volunteers to help the illegal migrants. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where I love being able to honor our great military and, of course, also their families. A powerful story coming from Skullkill County, Pennsylvania. This month, retired U.S. Army Colonel Christopher Kalenda, who is the founder of the Sabre Six Foundation, is on a 1,700-mile fallen hero honor ride to honor the legacies of six paratroopers from his military unit. It's a big bike ride. Now, his unit was also known as Task Force Sabre, and they were killed, much of them, in action while serving in Afghanistan in 2007. Monday's stop in Minersville to Pennsylvania there was a visit to the gravesite of Captain David Boris, who was from Pottsville, an area nearby. Kalenda said, Dave was my best captain in the unit, somebody I'd known for years. Dave was like a brother to me. He was everything that an officer ought to be. His character, his competence, he was extraordinarily good at what he did, and he genuinely cared about people. The honor ride, which started on September 25th, 2022, is raising support for the unit's veterans who need help and also for a Rotary Club of Milwaukee scholarship endowment in the names of the fallen heroes. The cross-country bike ride makes milestone stops in the towns of each of their graves, including Spalding, Nebraska, Elwood, Illinois, Monrovia, Indiana, Minersville, Pennsylvania, and it concludes appropriately at Arlington National Cemetery. By the way, over 7,000 American service members were killed in the Afghanistan and Iraq wars. And how beautiful uh, that this officer, this retired U.S. Army Colonel Christopher Kalenda, is honoring the memories of those in his unit and recognizing all of our great men and women in service, many of them who paid the ultimate price. 
Well, we are talking about what's going on in the border situation, the wide open border. And this is stunning because there was now a new advertisement that basically came out essentially where the Department of Homeland Security is looking for volunteers, many of them potentially in the military, um, as if they're not busy enough right now with everything going on in the world between Russia and North Korea and China, Taiwan and everything else. But now the Department of Homeland Security has put out a bulletin basically saying, would you like to volunteer at the border? Isn't this amazing? Would you like to come and help illegal migrants basically with their personal property management, tagging, bagging, sealing, storing, and retrieval of their personal items, trash pickup, uh, distributing food and water, uh, handling, blankets, bedding, clothing, a variety of things. So in other words, leave your post potentially at the Pentagon or elsewhere, and we will pay you a certain amount to go to the border. If you can volunteer, we'll cover the costs of it. We'll fly you in. Uh, we'll put you up there, and you can basically pick up trash and pick up personal belongings of illegal migrants. And the U.S. government will continue to pay your salary at the Pentagon. And they've estimated that per person for this task, it's basically costing taxpayers anywhere from about thirty to thirty-five thousand dollars per person. Again, to help the illegal migrants on the border. I can think of a lot of other people in America right now who, boy, the way would love to have somebody picking up their trash or doing their bedding. I'd love to have somebody do my bedding as opposed to having to do my bed every day. What about my clothes? What about food and water? That's a pretty good situation. And if you're an illegal migrant. Now they are requesting because they said they're overwhelmed at the border with so many coming through. Of course, the solution is close the border. But no, that's not a solution. Not to this Biden administration. No, what they want to do is now pull people from the Pentagon and elsewhere to basically be babysitters and trash collectors at the border. Basically, like, you know, be nannies at the border. That's what they're basically asking them to do. This is stunning. Take a listen. This is Jillian Turner on Fox News earlier today talking about this and talking about what this new call for volunteers means. Not only is DHS asking for volunteers from the Pentagon, they're also asking for volunteers from every single U.S. government department and agency to send volunteers on deployment to the southern border to provide support services to migrants who are detained there. We have been given exclusive access to internal DHS and Pentagon planning documents that reveal military officials are going to deploy to the southern border to support migrants crossing into the U.S. both legally and illegally. Take a look at this. No experience is required, just a willingness to serve, according to DHS. Isn't that stunning? No experience? And basically, if you want to be a trash collector or a babysitter, we'll cover your salary at the Pentagon. Taxpayers will pay for it. But you can basically help pick up trash, get bedding, get clothing, do all these different things for the illegal migrants. And to me, this is really stunning at a time where we could certainly use help elsewhere. Again, I think about our homeless vets. I think about a lot of people in America that have come here legally that are in this country. What about beefing up homeless shelters? What about using them to help homeless shelters, you know, of U.S. citizens, as opposed to now it costing $30,000? Again, this is our taxpayer. You know, we are all paying for that. 
That's federal tax dollars. Is that where you want your federal tax dollars to go right now? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Steve in New Jersey, line one. Steve, your thoughts about all this? Oh, yeah. Hi. Well, it seems kind of obvious that this guy, Joe Biden, is probably one of the most arrogant politicians we've ever come across as a country. And uh, I wonder whether his dementia, as as well as his personality defects, are uh, consistent with his uh, injuries in terms of his stroke, et cetera. He's just really just it's just unbelievable how how uncaring he is about the the average American citizen. Uh, And with all these people coming across the border, what it's harming, how it's harming this country. He just does one thing. Everything he does seems to be in total disregard for the wishes and the concerns of this country. And he keeps on going on and on. He's really pathological. He's really pathological. That's how I would analyze it. You know, it is interesting, Steve, that that he's continued these. It is it seems so like against what an American president would do. And that's why it it really is shocking. I agree with you, because the first order of business is to protect the homeland, to secure the homeland, to make sure that nobody, uh, you know, uh, dangerous comes through. And yet this is like a wide open territory. And it's so obvious what's going on there. And he won't even address it. I mean, that's what's really frightening. He will not even address it in any shape or form. And that, to me, is really, really scary. When you see that, that to me is really, really frightening, Steve. Thanks so much, Steve. We appreciate the call. Let's go to LQ on line eight. Go ahead, LQ. Your thoughts, my friend. Okay. Um, uh, many blessings uh, to you, uh, Rita, and to all. And to all. Thank you, LQ. Um, Thank you. I just want to mention like three things real fast. Uh, the churches, I heard that the churches are uh, bringing in some of the immigrants at night and uh, that's good enough. Well, they really should like flip this and present the gospel to these these people. Uh, in my opinion, uh, this is like a, a rep- this whole thing with the border is a reparation for uh, you know slavery. Uh, I know that uh, you're very busy, reader, but I'm uh, what I'm doing is trying to humbly ask you a request to you or your listeners if anyone can locate. The Daily News had an article years ago when President Obama was in it, and he sent thousands of young immigrants. It was on the front page of the paper right into New York City. Uh, so to me, this is the, uh, the Obama administration in its uh, full you know, manifestation for what Biden is doing. Yeah, you know what? It's It, to me— is it's an abomination, LQ. Uh, there's no doubt about that, my friend. Absolutely no doubt about that. Thanks so much, LQ. Always love hearing from you. Let's go to Mike uh, on line three. Mike, your thoughts. I want you to read it. I was wondering is, if it's possible for Texas to temporarily secede until until the next election. If they could get out, you know, get out of the union, whatever they call it. Uh, and, you know, and, in other words, to sacrifice uh, their time and just secede for until the next election. You know, they're allowed to do that. Uh, you know, that's the only way we're going to save the country, because another year or so, they're going to load up this country and it's, it's going to be unbearable. Yeah. Can you, uh, ima- by the way, Mike, can you imagine, Mike, if if after the midterms, if the Democrats feel emboldened, if the results go in their way, 
Um, and again, the polls look right now like it's going to go Republicans way, at least for the House and maybe for the Senate. Um, but if it goes the Democrats way, they're going to really feel emboldened and feel like, oh, God, we got to hurry up and and get all that in there. You know, I mean, that that is a a scary, scary premise. And I think there are a lot of people in in. Uh, you know, in Texas who feel like they're living on another planet who would love to separate from this administration because every single day it's just stunning. Mike, thank you very much. Let's go to Max. Line one. Max, your thoughts. Yes. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Hey, Max, you're, you're on speaker. Can you get off speaker? Go ahead. Okay. How's that? Is that a little better? Yeah, much better. Thank you. Go ahead. Very well. Very well. All right. Um, sometime back, Michelle Bachman, I hope everyone remembers her, she wrote a 16-page paper on an assistant to Hillary Clinton, and she claimed that the Hillary's assistant, Hillary's assistant, was involved with um, charity groups that were eventually forming into uh, terrorist groups, Islamic terrorist groups. And her name is Uma Abedin. I don't see here anyone speaking about her in the news. Actually, 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 Max, she did an interview recently on. Uh, it was on WABC, actually, on uh, Sunday. And she left the door open. She might even run for office. She actually has sort of reemerged recently. Don't you think that the 16-page paper that Michelle Bachman wrote about the nefarious, her nefarious deed should be read again? Well, it's an interesting thing. If there's facts to it, absolutely. You know, if there's facts related to it, why are you bringing that up? What's, what's the point? We don't need it. We have enough here at the border. We don't need another route to, to bring in terrorism to this country through another means. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. But the and but the border is clearly an issue, too, don't you think? I mean, I, I, I the irony of all this is that Uma Abedin, with, with what I just mentioned, her ex-husband is, is has a radio talk show on 77 WABC, Anthony Weiner. Yes, we have all sides. We have all sides, and that's what makes America great, Max. That's what we love about this place is that we hear all sides and all positions, and uh, that's why we also took your call, and we welcome all of them. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Eric on line five. Eric, your thoughts. Go ahead. Hey, Rita. Well, it's all very frightening when you take everything into consideration that they're doing. It's like they're, they, well, with this, they're facilitating the invasion of our country. I mean, you know, I, I don't think I don't know how much of this is coming from Biden because I don't think he knows what's going on half the time. You know, I mean, this is too much. And, and Buttigieg with the oh, we're, we've accomplished so much. I, I can't talk about it here. It's like it's almost like a comedy skit. It's scary. It's very scary. You know, it's all very bizarre. You know? Yeah, it so, is. Yeah, huh? the fact that he sits with a straight face and says, oh, God, we have done yeah, no, so like much. Like, this is a movie, you know? Like, oh, yeah, it, we just, just accomplished so much. We can't, I can't talk about it. It's like so much. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, it's just weird. It's just bizarre. It like, is. That was it. You it know? is. It's, it's scary. An, Eric, <laughs> it is an alternate universe. Always great to get your calls, 1,000%. And by the way, when we come back, everybody, we're going to talk about Anthony Fauci, because as Eric just aptly said, it is sort of like, you know, uh, crazy time that the Biden administration, oh, we've done so much. We've accomplished so much. So many different issues, so many different problems. And here is another one that takes the cake, Eric, and everybody else. Dr. Fauci, the good old Dr. Fauci, who we know is leaving his post, he says voluntarily at the end of the year, right? He had the audacity to say this weekend on ABC's This Week, he's with Jonathan Carl, and yesterday he said, I have never been driven by politics. Oh, no, not me. I've only been based on science. 
that he has solely been science-oriented. He has been like the most political director in that position, I think, ever in modern history. I mean, it's crazy when you look at him and the decisions he made and, and the way he was undermining President Trump and praising President Biden and then telling people, wear masks, don't wear masks. And then he said, oh, don't blame me. I never told schools to close. I, what is he talking about? I mean, this to me is shocking. Take a listen. Here is a little bit of the good Dr. Fauci saying that, oh, he is not political whatsoever. And Jonathan Carl should have said, are you on drugs, Dr. Fauci? Take a listen to this exchange. So what's the biggest misconception about you? You know, I don't know, John. I think the misconception is that I was misleading people. You know, to say that I, who have been advisor to seven presidents and have never, ever veered one way or the other from an ideological standpoint, for somebody to say that, you know, I'm political. Yeah, political. I mean, that's completely crazy. Oh, that's crazy. one 800 I got to go to Norm. Norm on line four. Norm. I'm going to give you a shot at this one. Dr. Fauci says he's not political whatsoever, Norm. You believe him? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, I knew you would get me for this one, Rita. Yeah, he's a a soulless, satanic gnome and uh, nothing too bad. I wish him no I wish him nothing good in his life for what he's for what he did to this to my city, for what he did to my country. And um, that's all. Now, let me ask you, Norm, do you think, because I know that you have uh, spoken out and Mm -hmm. have been frustrated about, obviously, Mm -hmm. the VAC standards and Fauci in particular, when you hear him say that he doesn't he wasn't playing politics and the fact that, uh, you know, that ABC television, that uh, he didn't get challenged on it. It was like, what's the biggest misconception no. about you? It's like, what was the question? Barbara, you remember Barbara Walters used to say, what kind of tree would you be? Remember, would you be an oak, he's, you know, or a dogwood? Rasputin. Yeah, he's Rasputin. He uh, basically, if you follow the history of Rasputin, uh, you know, he endears himself to the various czars for power and money and uh changes his tune all over the place, screws some of those people like he did to Trump, screws a lot of people like he did during the AIDS crisis um, with his withholding of medicines and patents and all sorts of things. Um, Fauci's no damn good. Well, that's that's um, the thing, Norm, by the way, if the Republicans do take the House, um, and mm -hmm. in fact, many of them have said this, um, James Comer and a number of others have said, and Jim Jordan, have all said that, by the way, if indeed um, they get the House, that they will start investigations immediately. And one of the ones they've talked about, not just the border, as we've been talking about with Mayorkas, for sure, um, and the open border policies. I mean, boy, there are probably, this. you know, the numbers we know about are probably just the tip of the iceberg. Imagine the whistleblowers that will probably come forward on that one, but then also on the Fauci case, too. Because if he is no longer there, you know, in his position— and they want to look into, you know, Fauci. They want to look into these grants. They want to look into the gain-of-function research. They want to look into uh, the Wuhan lab. I mean, I, it, it, it blows my mind, Norm, that, that it's like the Democrats don't seem to want to care to even investigate the Wuhan lab. It's like, oh, yeah, a million Americans killed and a whole bunch of others. It's worth locking down the world, but it's not worth finding out what caused it. 
isn't isn't that amazing to you, Norm? After all this time, it's like that that the origins, whatever they are, have gotten a free pass. Yeah, um, the man never never has a straight answer. Uh, just everything, just he ne- he never says anything definitively. Everything goes left, right, whatever, all over the place. And uh, yeah, I, I hope they screw him. I hope they screw him good. I uh, I just. Uh, you know, I see. You know, he's look. He's not exclusively one ones who, who you know, made a mess of this country over the last three years. But he, he contributed a lot, and uh, yeah, he needs to he needs to fess up about the gain of function. He needs to fess up about a lot of things. He needs to fess up about, uh, uh, you know, the mask thing. He needs to fess up about how come he he uh, supported all these lockdowns. I mean, he supported all these lockdowns. He was a major voice of it. 1,000%, um, Norm, you are at 1,000% right. And yet he is claiming like, oh, I don't know what everybody's talking about. Um, I agree with you. There are so many big issues. We're going to continue your calls, everybody. Norm, thank you. After the break, 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. talking about Dr. Fauci saying, how was I political about COVID? Oh, no, not me. And also Biden at the same time tone deaf about the border. And boy, both of them have been catastrophic in terms of their decision making. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike in Cincinnati. Mike, your thoughts. Oh, hi, Rita. I, I think there's got to be more to this uh, open border than just uh, future Democratic voters. And and uh, because, you know, you got some Republicans are bowing against it, but there's not that many. They aren't making that much noise. And I, I think it's uh, four years of Trump in there uh, uh, screwed up the mathematical for, uh, uh, formulas of, of putting a new uh, bottom layer on the uh, – Social Security uh, Ponzi scheme. Those people got to be replaced, and the drugs coming across just uh, eliminates a whole lot of people who got Social Security coming. I, I think I think those people are that low. I really do. Wow. Well, that's scary because that that sounds like a like a like a sci-fi movie, a, a master plan. But there has to be some reason that they are blindly turning their eye on the border and fentanyl. And I think I think. They want all these people to come in here, and they are not uh, wanting to do anything that would draw attention, even if it's deadly fentanyl. Real quick, Dave, in Pennsylvania. Dave, your thoughts real quick, Dave. Yeah, thanks for taking a call. Well, a little connection with Biden and Dr. Falsi is, you know, Dr. Falsi never said there was any connection of of COVID coming over the border with uh, illegal immigration let alone other common third-world nations that infect disease like hepatitis A, which is starting to grow. That's a great point. You're right, because he totally ignored it. Biden totally ignored it. And yet they told police officers and firefighters and others, you got to get vaxxed or you'll get fired. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, 
and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.